0: RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. So it's election year, and here at Reality Check Radio, we're seeking to speak to some of the prominent uh, political uh, personalities and, of course, leaders of, well, the major parties, the parties in contention. And David Seymour, the leader of ACT, joins us to uh, talk about his vision for the country and um, help voters, our listeners, make up their minds which way to go, because there's a lot of... uh, Uh, undecided people out there. I wouldn't say confused, but undecided and standing off at this point. And we're seeing a lot of uh, minor parties that are fragmented. So people are really thinking about this. So, David, welcome to Reality Check Radio. Thanks for making us some time. We appreciate it.
1: No worries. And uh, congratulations on your your launch and apparently your rapid uh, rise, at least in terms of uh, bus backs. You're doing amazingly well.
0: Yeah, well, you've probably seen my face on one of those bus backs. Um, i've never been on the back of a bus nearly once colliding into one, <laughs> but uh, yep. so um it does get in as Mrs. marsh used to say uh, how aware of, apart from the bus bags, how aware
1: of us are you uh, look i uh, to be honest it's it's mainly your advertising um and um I guess you know as you build an audience over time you you might find that, that more people uh, talk about you as well um you know it's it's a tough gradient, building up a a new present. Um, But, you know, I think if anything, New Zealand and and actually the Western world need more competition in the media space. Uh, A lot of media aren't delivering the the discussions that a lot of people want. So good on you.
0: Okay, well, let's start there. New Zealand is in that category, isn't it? Many people are critical of the media. Latest, um, I think, Horizon survey recently showed what you could say was a collapse compared to legacy in trust of the media. Now, the media is very important, and you know that being a political leader. How would you describe the state of our media? Is it, is it in a bad way? Is it serving the people? What do you think?
1: Um, well, first of all, I mean, I, I think it is in a bad way from the fact that so many people don't trust it. You know, that, that's a big problem. Um, and, you know, I do public Meetings, town halls up and down New Zealand. Um, you know, probably spoken to a thousand people in the last couple of weeks at, at live events. And basically, every single event we do, uh, up comes the topic: what are you going to do about the media? So, I think just the fact that so many people are asking that question says it's in a bad way. Uh, next issue is: what do you do about it? So, you know, some people would say the government should do something about it. But then I say, just hold on a second. Isn't that what we're against? We're, we're not in favour of the government trying to change the media. So we, we don't want to get into power and start guiding them because uh, sometimes you've got to you know be the change you want to see in the world. So certainly things like the Public Interest Journalism Fund, they just need to stop. Um, the board appointments onto, onto the likes of Creative NZ um, and New Zealand On Air made by the current government uh, have been, I think, getting the wrong results. So, who do you appoint to those boards? People that are committed to slightly wider set of viewpoints, uh, not funding uh, Tusiata Avia, for example. So, you know, different board appointments would help. Um, but by and large, I, I think the solution is what you guys are doing it is, you know, new people raising money, entering the marketplace, trying to secure an audience. Um, and if you can do that, uh, then suddenly, uh, you know, you have a better landscape and, and more people will be happy.
0: What about, though, when the media is biased, and it obviously is, and that is affecting the health of the nation? I mean, the the discourse, the discussion is contaminated, isn't it, um, compared to the ideal situation? That then is an issue, a national-level issue, isn't it? So that does yeah. require some sort of, interve- well, maybe not intervention, but policymaking shaping that, that pushes back against that because where does that lead
1: otherwise? Well, first of all, I, I don't think the problem is exclusively with the media. Um, I sometimes say to people, if you, if you knew what these journos learnt at university, you'd actually be pretty amazed at how objective and open to different ideas they are. <laughs> So this is not just the press. I think the disease of what I call metastasized postmodernism that has marched through the universities and the public service is also affecting the media. So I actually think it's a bit wider than that. Right. Um, what do you do about that? Well, you need a school curriculum that is based on the idea that there's objective knowledge that kids need to know and we're going to free up the teaching profession to teach it. Uh, we're not going to pretend that Maturanga Maori is somehow equal to the rest of humanity's knowledge. I mean, it's just not plausible that a small group of people in five. years... Yeah, but this years- is a problem
0: now, David. This is a big problem now. People feel that, that they're not being informed properly at a level that could be dangerous. So you, you could reinvent these institutions and everything. That takes time. How mm. do you get... How, how do you deal with this metastasizing, you use the word, um, mm. effect of... The media and and clean it up as quickly as possible before you know well if, if, your,
1: if your suggestion is that we should try and win an election um and then use our government power uh to somehow control the media we're not going to do that we're opposed to that uh, we're in favor of free speech a free press free institutions one person one vote democracy that's what we believe in Now, I would question, you know, what is the government currently doing that it needs to stop doing because it distorts the media? And I gave you three examples, Um, you know, board appointments on Creative New Zealand and on New Zealand On Air. And then I also mentioned this public interest journalism fund, which is anything but. Um, But, you know, the government should stop interfering. I'm not going to stand for parliament and then be the guy that gets elected to New Zealand parliament and interferes with the media even more because that's against my beliefs. Uh, I do think that if we get things like the school curriculum, the culture of the public service, um, you know, the culture of the tertiary fund of tertiary institutions right, um, and you can do that by who you appoint and what curriculum you set and so on. I think if you get those things right, you can start to get back to a, a world of objective knowledge. But but there's no shortcut to it. Sorry, no matter how much you may want it.
0: Okay, so unbundling all of that—that's taken what 30, 40 years to get to is a very long-term project. Do we have that long in New Zealand to wait? Because there's a feeling out there amongst people that there's there's urgency in this.
1: Well, I I understand that, but, um, you know, they say for every problem uh, there's an answer um, that is, you know, simple, immediate, and wrong. Uh, So, you know, I don't know what, what you're proposing, but if it involves the government trying to, issue guidelines to media or direct them or, well, or to private businesses. To,
0: you'd be edu- issuing guidelines to education institutions, though. I mean, I, I accept what you say, but I, I guess it's trying to address this in a timely way and not waiting another 34 years for it. To well, the reason would,
1: I mean, I wouldn't call it guidelines. I'd call it a curriculum. I mean, for, for $18 billion a year in taxpayer money to education, Uh, we want to start making clear the kids must show up and and learn measurable things that are useful in the 21st century. Um, That's not an unreasonable deal. Uh, To go to, just to pick an example, News Hub, uh, actually owned by an American company, Discovery, uh, and start saying this is how you must report the news, not a chance, we'd never do that.
0: Okay, so you're going to have to change the culture of the educational institutions of New Zealand, which are really embedded now. So give us a sense of how you might do that. You know, you change the curriculum, but you've got all these people who are steeped in this, what a, a wholesale clear out or, you know, start from not scratch, well, but some other point again, how does it work?
1: Well, certainly um, I look at the public sector as it is today. You've gone from 47,000 when Labor left office um, and then when, or oh, sorry, when, the previous government left office, then you got New Zealand First and Labour and the Greens in, and they just started spending money like there's no tomorrow. And hiring people like there's no tomorrow today, um, there are over 60,000 bureaucrats. So uh, there's 14,000 people out that, that you could get rid of uh, straight away. But I'd also look at the rest of them. I'd ask questions like, what is the point of the Ministry of Education? And I wouldn't ask the Ministry of Education what their job should be. I'd ask the school principals. In fact, I'd get the best 10 school principals in the country uh, based on their kids' results versus the challenges of the kids that that that, that face coming in. Um, who, who added value as a principal? That's the top 10. And I'd say to them, what do you think the Ministry of Education should do? That's a practical approach because I know what happens. I've been a minister, or an undersecretary at least, um, and I know that when you go in, you, you end up getting uh, destroyed and kiboshed. And um, I think that's... Uh, uh, you know, a real problem if you if you don't know what you're doing, um, what you do need to do is go into Parliament with a clear plan and be prepared to take advice from outside of the bureaucracy, especially when you're dealing with the size of the bureaucracy. I suspect we could get a Ministry of Education half the size that would do a lot less damage to the education system. Might even be helpful.
0: And what sort of time frame do you think? Again, the, the urgency factor.
1: Yeah, well, again, you get three years, right? So that's your time. You've got to hit the ground running with a plan, not like the, the current government who sort of didn't really have a plan for the first three years, so they just put out 100 working groups and um, you know now they're starting to reform much faster because they've worked out how to do it. Um, so in those three years, you, you get elected, you've got to deal with the Nats, and that's a big challenge because they typically, when it comes down to it, don't actually want to change. Um, but let's say we can get them over the line to make some real change um, and then you start doing it and it takes six months to pass a law. Uh, it can take some time to restructure a department. Uh, but certainly within that three-year period and, and ideally within the first two years of it, um, you have substantially reformed the role of the ministry of education, the curriculum and the assessment and the um, attendance uh, regime. So you say, look, we're, we're here to measure if kids show up and learn things. We're not here to micromanage or, or run a political agenda on them. Um, and suddenly the education system starts to look a lot more effective and it's a better place for teachers to work because they're not being micromanaged with the latest fad. They're actually given some autonomy.
0: That's if they go along with it. And that could be a a problem, couldn't it? Because you're dealing with a culture, right? If who goes along with it? Well, you've got to have the rank and file teachers, the teacher, the unions and everything. They're they're pretty strong in the way they think our education system should be.
1: Well, I'm I'm not... I'm not sure that, that they're on the side you think they are anymore. I mean, just yesterday, Pat Newman, who would have to be one of the most lefty you know, principals in the country, he's the principal of Horror, Horror Primary School. I used to play rugby next door at the Horror, Horror RFC. Um, so Pat was there just pointing out how insane it is that teachers now have to have a qualification in order to restrain a student. Now, you think about that for a minute. You've got two kids fighting on the field, and as Pat Newman, remember, he's the lefty unionist teacher or principal, uh, pointed out, he said, look, you know, are you seriously saying that while two kids are going at it on the field at lunchtime, that, um, you know, the, the student's, uh, teacher's going to go, hang on, kids, I'll just go and get someone who's done the restraining course. <laughs> seriously?
0: They're at lunch, so, I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, I, I give you this example representatives um, are are quite as opposed to what we're talking about as you think
0: okay well given we're on education there's a lot of what's the word concern about some of the new social i guess attitudes that are creeping into the classroom I, i think you know what i'm talking about and and parents are worried about what their kids are hearing young kids are hearing in schools by way of Let's say, even promoting perhaps certain lifestyles or life choices. Have you got anything to say about that?
1: Well, let's let's work on the evidence. Um, what what's an example that that concerns you?
0: Well, I don't have kids at school, so I'm only going mm. on what people feedback and say. But there's a lot of the uh, the trans talk in schools, gender um, um, mm. talk in schools. Um, to quite young kids um, seems to be happening so, so what's, about an,
1: what's an example of, of something that you know quite young kids have been
0: well I can't tell um, you oh, I can't tell you verbatim but you should be aware of it
1: yeah well I, I mean aware of what exactly you have to explain well, I've just I've
0: people. just very mm. carefully tried to without mm. you know sort of insulting anyone mm. or, or being too brutal you know there, mm. there's Mm. there's there's quite a bit of kind of social engineering of kids people are talking about in schools okay i can't mm. give you an example but it is being talked about mm. and i think i know mm. what you're talking what I, I think you know what i'm talking about it's a concern for people so i i raise it i ask yeah. you. So, hmm.
1: yeah well happy to happy to deal in facts um so if you've got any, any facts so it's not examples, an issue
0: it's not an issue for you
1: well you've got to explain okay <laughs> all right well, well let's
0: let, let's so. leave that one but i think i, th- I think I kind of think you know
1: what I mean. Well, thinking. let me give you one example. Uh, do you think a teacher who is a lesbian should be able to have a rainbow flag up in, in her classroom? i got no problem with that. Okay, me either. That's not um, what I'm
0: talking about, though.
1: Well, what are you talking about?
0: I'm talking about groups coming into schools and informing kids of things that, that many people feel are too young to know about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, I, I think the real danger here is if, if you can't say, you know, for example, at what age should a kid be told what by whom, then it's sort of difficult to, to really have a serious discussion, right? Like, I mean, I think that our school system uh, is very good and it's access to the education by a board of trustees who at least in theory um, have some real power to define what goes on in the in school.
0: In theory, in theory. Mm.
1: Yeah. That's um, one thing, and, but in and, practice. And they, should, they should be able to define it. I, I think, in practice, as, I, as you say, you've got a ministry of education uh, that is constantly cooking up fads. And let me give you another, you know, I'll give you practical, literal examples. Um, you know, critical maths. So, teachers are now being told in the common practice model uh, that they have to, um, you know, try and use math to raise awareness of social justice issues. Now, are you serious? I, I mean, you know, they're you're trying to teach kids long the vision. Well, this is, this is in the broad uh, and, arc of and, what I was asking about before. Yeah. Yeah. You know. yeah. Well, that, well I'm, I'm trying to – you can't give me examples. So I'll give you some now. I'll give you another one. Um, you know, the Ministry of Education recently told a daycare centre that kids would need an excursion pass to go and sit under an oak tree at the back of the, of the section that, that the business is on because the um, business was, the place of work was defined as the building, but not the backyard. So if they wanted to go and play under the oak tree, they'd need to get an application. So there's there's no shortage of the Ministry of Education uh, putting crazy practical and philosophical requirements on schools, and and that needs to be pulled back. Um, But, you know, depending on when you talk about, um, you know, sex ed, I mean, I think at, at a community level, you've got to decide, you know, what programs and what knowledge should kids have? Because people, people do have a wide range of views about that.
0: What about um, drag queen shows for kids? Do you feel comfortable about them?
1: Well, I don't really see what your, what your objection would be. I mean, you know, in themselves, it depends what they're saying and what they're doing and, or suggesting. Um, but, you know, why not? I mean, Dame, Ethne, uh, sorry, Dame Edna Everidge uh, or Barry Humphreys, as, as also, she preferred to be known offstage, um, you know, I grew up as a kid when Barry Humphreys dressed up as Dame Edna. It was absolutely hilarious. Um, and, not a drag uh, queen.
0: He was not a drag queen. He wasn't a drag queen. He was a a parody character. But okay. So,
1: now, but, but, but well, what is it about a drag queen that you think is problematic or different?
0: Well, I guess it's uh, the the concern of people is the uh, the exposure to sexualizing. At too younger of an age. And I don't think Dame Edna's quite in that category, to be fair.
1: So okay. So so you're not worried about drag queens. You're worried about sexualization. Um, so you know, if you, if the question is, is somebody who's a drag queen going to um, go and explicitly sexualise children? Well, you know, but but you're not opposed to drag queens, are you? You're opposed to anyone who sexualizes children. So am I.
0: In the right context, I have no no problem but with sexualization. It's the, well, the I don't mind, you know, people having drag queen shows at nightclubs, which is what it used to be, but, you know, in school, in, in local libraries with, with kids. Anyway, we can, we can move on from that. Economically, I had Roger Douglas on this program a while back and Richard Preble, but Roger Douglas um, seemed to be, and maybe he's always concerned, he probably is, but he was concerned about where we were heading economically. And he thought if we carried on like we are, We'd be in a very bad state in the next 10, 15, 20 years with horrendous debt and uh, massive welfare and, you know, not heading to a good place. When you look at um, NZ Inc. right now, what state are we in, do you think?
1: Well, I think it's very clear when you think about productivity, even just in the last five years under the current government, um, since we got New Zealand first and the Greens and Labour in, uh, the average wage in Australia has grown about $6,000 more. So when they got in, the gap was about 17 and a half grand. Uh, now the gap is about 24 grand. So, you know, you're looking at just over six grand bigger pay gap uh, and, a, and a final pay gap of about 24 grand. Um, and that's, that's the median wage of Australia. So if you're at the median in New Zealand and you go off and you do the same job in Oz, then you know, you're, you're about 24 grand better off. And if you're higher than the median, later stage of career, more skilled, longer hours, then the gap is probably even bigger. Um, that's a fundamental problem because, like I say, at some point on the spectrum from you know, Australia over here and Fiji over here, you know, at some point, New Zealand finds that it's closer to Fiji than Australia. So we need to relentlessly focus on productivity. If we can mine it, we should. If a technology such as genetic engineering can make crops more productive, it
0: uh, Did you say if we can mine it, we should?
1: Absolutely. If a technology know, such as genetic engineering can make crops more productive, you it should be used at the moment. Dairy NZ is doing genetic experiments in Australia because genetics has been driven by the superstitious and the crazy. Um, here in New Zealand for 20 years, so technology goes offshore and so do higher-paying jobs. But these are the kinds of challenges that we face. We need to stop the insane red tape and regulation. You know, If you're a surveyor and you want to even just think about building something and take some sightings and soundings uh, with your theodolite or the the modern equivalent of that, um, you can't do anything until you put in a traffic management plan to the council. To, to, to take some survey pegs. I mean, this is, this is insanity. Uh, if it's near a road, obviously. Um, so in so many areas, you know, quality of government spending, quality of regulation. Uh, New Zealand is just shooting itself in the foot and Australia is not just richer than us, but getting richer faster. And if we keep on going down that track then we just become another nice island paradise, a bit like Fiji or Cuba or Greece. So, yep, that's serious. It's time to official cut back, guys.
0: Will you commit to getting rid of road cones?
1: <laughs> well, again, it's, 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 not on, the road a co- it's not the road cones in themselves that we're um,
0: but, but it's what they that we're to. Yeah, it's what they yeah, represent.
1: I mean, I, I think this idea of traffic management plans really comes out of the um, Health and Safety at Work Act, Um, and um, that tells you that you have to take all reasonable precautions, it doesn't allow you to say, look, some precautions are going to be too expensive, and therefore we don't want to make them, and forcing people to take all reasonable precautions, uh, you know, what that does in practice is it means that no expense is too much for safety, and we actually become less safe and less resilient because it's more expensive to build sofa roads, for example, so more people crash and die. So, you know, we got to get rid of the crazy health and safety at work act and actually allow people to say, look, sometimes something just doesn't stack up for the cost of it for the amount of safety it provides. Um, And if that means that we can get stuff built faster, you don't have to have 200 road cones to build a small pedestrian crossing. Um, And by the way, why are there pedestrian crossings everywhere without proof of actual danger? Um, then maybe New Zealand can start to become wealthier. So would we get rid of road cone, no, nothing wrong with the cones. I do have something wrong with the Health and Safety at Work Act that leads to the traffic management plans, that leads to the delay that makes everything more expensive and makes all of us poorer. That's what I have an issue with.
0: It's about 300k for a set of um, traffic lights now, so that might be a clue as to why they <laughs> crop up in places.
1: Well, it's a big part of it. I mean, this is, you know, what are traffic lights? 1920s technology, I would guess. Um, and now you know that that 100-year-old technology has got more expensive than ever, Um, only the government can do that. Everything in the private sector gets cheaper over time.
0: It's interesting because Roger Douglas um, did say in the chat that we had that he kind of disconnected from ACT and he sort of lost faith. Why why would he have said that, do you think? I mean, he's long in the tooth, I know that, and he has a certain history, but why would he have said that, do you think?
1: well i I hope you asked him um, if you didn't ask him, then there's not much well, I did ask him me.
0: and 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 I think what, you know he laid it out, but I'm asking what, did he, why what did he the say? founder would be thinking that
1: I don't know what did he say
0: well hes it, I can't remember it all off the top of my head right now no, can't, can't and, you, and you're putting then. it back on me, but he did say that, and i yeah. and it's a fair enough question to ask you why the you think the founder would say that Do, do you ever communicate? Is there any input there?
1: Yeah, I occasionally talk to Rog, but um, again, you know, it's your your show. Um, if you think Roger's got a view, and you've asked him, and you know, no, I don't, th- is, I don't um, think he yeah.
0: he said it, and uh, the replay's there, so we could. But if you but know Roger's
1: there. got a view and you've asked him and he's told you, then. Well, I'm just wondering you why you would think
0: that, and whether you would know that. Well, well you
1: know the answer, so why don't you say?
0: Well, yeah, with the with the detail that I think you're expecting is probably not worth attempting it. But he did say that, and I thought I'd ask you that. All right. You're at 11% in the latest poll, I see. And from the story I read, that's not enough to get over the line with National. And you just mentioned National before, that they were kind of resistant to change. Um, they're the opposing party. they the conservative, main opposition conservative party. Uh, There's an interesting comment you made there. Have we got a uniparty situation in New Zealand where there's really hardly anything between the left and the right at main party level?
1: Well, I I think history is useful. Um, You can go back as far as 1949, Sid Holland's campaign like hell to reverse Labour's socialism. Um, And um, he... um, you know, said, well, look, um, you know, I'm going to huff and puff and blow the, the first Labour government's um, price controls and import licences and, and you know, wider economic socialist controls out of the water. Um, and, of course, Sid Holland got in and he changed none of it. Um, Keith Hollier got in 11 years later in 1960, kept everything and, and watched New Zealand decline from being one of the wealthiest countries in the world to sort of middling. Um, Rob Muldoon got in and presided over nearly sending the country bankrupt. And then Jim Bolger got in, and that was interesting because the the country was in the throes of of major economic liberal reforms, um, which then strangely they continued for a couple of years. So uh, the pattern is whatever Labour leaves behind, national oppose, campaign from the right, and then are quite happy to govern from the left. And I just say this election's a little different from most elections. Uh, this is a time on the meaning of the treaty, on productivity, on education and regulation that New Zealand needs to fish or cut bait uh, because we can easily end up replacing PG as the largest group of Pacific islands. And um, I don't think National can point to a period in their history where they have been the ones taking the initiative. If the next government's going to deliver real change, there'll have to be another factor. Uh, And I argue to people that that factor is ACT and and that's why you should give your party vote uh, to ACT to to make the change, not just to change your government, but make it real.
0: Yeah, so Christopher Luxon has um, a background in business. You'd think he'd know the score and knows what sort of management is required on the money side and the people side. Um, I mean, what do you have to say to him to put him in the right space where you guys can actually work together and get something done?
1: First of all, it's an interesting thing, eh? So, if you think about who have been the politicians who have been good for business, um, probably the the prime one in the modern era is probably Margaret Thatcher. Um, yeah, I mean, she did grocer's pro- daughter,
0: a grocer's daughter,
1: right? Yeah, she did serious pro-business reforms, but but she herself was actually a chemist at an ice cream factory. Um, so, you know, again, the, the idea that there's, there's also no shortage of of people that come to politics with quite considerable business backgrounds, um, but, but turn out not to be particularly effective. So I think, you know, that general connection may not be a a reliable guide, Um, but what do you, what do you do in the relationship between ACT and national? I think ACT's superpower is that we're not particularly fixated on taking the baubles. So, you know, if you said to me, you could be this position or that position, you know, be deputy prime minister of New Zealand or whatever, I'd just say, look, I don't see a a ministerial post as an achievement. It's an opportunity to do some policy uh, that will actually make life more affordable and the streets safe and kids go to school and learn useful stuff and so on. That's what we're really trying to do. And the fact that ACT is prepared to give up the baubles, that's our superpower, because that means we can say to them, we don't want anything from you other than good policy. So we can either make it a really tough three years where you basically have to negotiate every single vote with us blow by blow. You don't want that. Um, So why don't we make a deal to get some decent policy work done? And I think that puts us in quite a powerful position.
0: Do you have any bottom lines?
1: Well, there's obviously a lot of things we'd never agree to, but ultimately you've got to be prepared to go to an election and, and campaign on a snap election on the issue. I mean, that's what a bottom line really means. Uh, if you look at, on the other hand, there are things that are important to us that if they're not prepared to play ball on, then they're not going to get their priorities either. So if you look at it from our point of view, the first thing is we've got to get real about what the treaty means. You know, We've got to get um, a referendum on co-government. And, and what I mean by that is we need to, first of all, pass legislation to say what the treaty principles are, not what the courts think. It's not a partnership. It doesn't divide us. Uh, into Tangata Whenua and Tangata Tiriti. Uh, the, the treaty actually says we all have the same rights and duties and we need to make that really clear. And then having passed that law, we need to invite the people to, and to vote yes or no on should that be elevated uh, to be supreme law in New Zealand uh, that can't be ignored by the courts or parliament in future. Um, if we don't get a clear conception of the treaty that is consistent with a liberal democratic society uh, then really, New Zealand not have a great future. So that is, that is critical. I think that has to happen. Um, I think the next thing is we've got to deal with the size and scope of government waste. It is just squeezing people up and down this country like you wouldn't believe. Um, and then there's, you know, once you lay it out, there's quite a few examples. I mean, we need to do something around firearm laws. We need to get rid of the Zero Carbon Act. Um, we need to replace the Resource Management Act with something workable, not something worse. As- we currently have so you know there's a big agenda uh the way i would put it what's the bottom line for new zealand staying a first world country and that's quite a number of issues
0: okay um uh, climate change because all this is potentially interwoven into everything we do going forward to use that term um where do you sit on climate change um are you on the side of well we've just got to go along with this because it protects a, a competitive position a brand position or do you have fundamental questions about whether climate change is being caused by humans to any significant degree or it's a natural process and New Zealand's contribution to it being so low, do we, you know, do we give it, do we load ourselves up with more just to well, look good or virtue signal? Whatever well, term. I mean,
1: first of all, I mean, look, I'm a, I'm a trained electrical engineer. I, you know, am not entirely uh, stupid and know how to, um, you know, read a scientific paper and so on. And, all I'd say is that after 20 years of reading different books and hearing what people say, I envy the, the certainty of people that think they know it all about climate change. Um, what I do know is that it's actually a bit more complex than is reported in the media, um, that the certainty that scientists have and the length of time that their records can really be certain about um, is much shorter than they think. Uh, and that there is I think a bit of a bias towards catastrophizing that suits a lot of people um, but may not reflect reality it's, it's probably about where we are um, and then but having said that none of that really matters um, for New Zealand because our question is how do we make sure that New Zealand's government does enough that the country doesn't become you know pariahs and face consumer boycotts and trade barriers and, and the kinds of things that, that you know, we risk um, if we don't do our bit. And on the other hand, how do we ensure um, that New Zealand uh, doesn't do so much that, you know, New Zealand farmers, the most efficient in the world, get put out of business and people get their milk, powder and food from less efficient producers? Because that would be a double owned goal. Um, how do we ensure that you know, New Zealand doesn't become poorer than it needs to be uh, due to climate alarmism? So that's the balance we have to find as a country. And says get rid of the Zero Carbon Act. We're the only ones who voted against that. Every other party, you know, National, New Zealand First, Labor, you know, the Greens, they all voted for the Zero Carbon Act. Never forget it. I stood alone and voted against it. Um, And I voted against it because it's bad policy. It sets targets the rest of the world may not care to meet. uh, And it introduces a level of control and dictation by the Minister of Climate Change that is frankly unhealthy. So we believe the Zero Carbon Act should be gone and the emissions trading scheme should be kept at a level comparable to our trading partners. So we're doing the same as everyone else. We're getting rid of the bureaucracy. We're doing it as simply as possible. And then we can just get on with life.
0: What do you think of the Greens? Not much. You want to elaborate on that? Uh, I mean, they've obviously um, got their cause and they're very passionate, but they seem to be kind of over the what top. Is, what
1: is their cause? I mean, I, I, I literally don't know. Like, If you ask me why did um, Elizabeth Kirikiri uh, leave the Greens, Like, I, I can't tell you. I mean, there doesn't seem to be a disagreement about, um, you know, should our tax policy be this or that? Or, you know, do we support raising the age of super? Or, you know, do we believe in more trains or more buses? I mean, you know, there's no significant policy difference there. Um, But she said something
0: nasty, didn't she? Didn't she say something nasty?
1: The only thing we can be sure about is that she said that Chloe Swarbrick's a crybaby. She maintains that she was talking about herself being a crybaby. Um, Chloe Swarbrick says it doesn't matter because she's been called much worse. So, oh, okay. Very hard to know um, what it is that she's done wrong. But in any event, um, you know the Greens are clearly obsessed with things that the rest of us wouldn't regard as important, um, unless there's really bad bullying that we don't know about. But I have to say, having met her and had you know and passing a little bit to do with her. It's kind of hard to believe that she's a mega bully, I've got to say.
0: So there's something going on there is kind of what you're saying. But my point like...
1: is I I literally don't know what they're arguing about. Um, hmm. but none of it's helping New Zealanders make life more affordable, get the streets safe enough that you can actually run a jewelry store or dairy, or make sure kids are attending school. You know, those are things that'll be helpful.
0: Crime's a whole big thing, and we don't want to take up a huge amount of time, but okay, you just mentioned that. Again, high level of concern that the crime is, I don't know about out of control, but certainly not not going in the direction we'd want it to go. And with obvious ram raids just down the road from me the other day, a jewellery store got robbed and, you know, broad mm. daylight. Um, um, uh, it's happening. So how to attack that, how, how to make a difference there? Many have tried. But-
1: well, I think your ultimate issue is that um, the state doesn't have a place that kids don't want to go. And so... Kids don't take any sanctions seriously because they know that if they ignore one punishment or sanction, then they'll get another one, which they'll also ignore, and ultimately there's nothing that they can't just ignore. And that's why yesterday Act announced that if we were in government under our alternative budget, uh, we'd put aside half a billion uh, to build 200-bed uh, worth of youth facilities, uh, we'd put up 44 million a year to staff, maintain and run those facilities. And in that scenario, we'd actually see um, a place that, you know, first of all, it's ultimately about rehabilitation. It may be the first time these kids have had the mental health support and the nutrition and education and physical safety that, that all kids need. Uh, but it's also a case that you will not be able to leave this place until you have earned your way out. And, um, I think, uh, you know, that the, the, the lack of a place to, to take kids that they can't leave uh, is making it impossible for the police to have any control. I talk to youth aid police. They say, look, you know, if a kid leaves an insecure facility, which is where they're currently taken, then they breach a court order. Therefore, I have to go out and catch them again, take them back to the same facility, which they then leave again. It's just insane. This is what we're doing as a country. So, you know, act viewers, you've got to have more secure facilities. No question about that. Um, And and we've just shown in our alternative budget how we could pay for it. And
0: you're telling the National Party this, that we're going to do this, right? This is something we're going to do, guys.
1: Well, they agree with us. Remember, they said something about boot camps, but I don't think they really knew how it would work. It was kind of, um, it was more, I think boot camps were more of a symbolic illustration of that something needs to be done. People can
0: visualize, um, visualize that easily.
1: Yeah. we I think when they talked about boot camps, it was a metaphor for we will do something, fill in the gaps. But um the Act has now filled in the gaps and said, look, here's the money, um, here's the vision. Uh let's get secure facilities kids cannot leave, um, and uh make them modern so it's not like old school bore stalls. Uh, they're ultimately places of rehabilitation because these are young offenders. However, um, we've got to stop messing around and uh, stop allowing these kids to, to really just, you know, take the proverbial out of us, which is what they're doing.
0: Are there any parties that you won't work with? Just won't?
1: Yeah. Look, I mean, basically all of them. Have. <laughs> we won't. We're not going to work with the Maori Party. I mean, their vision of New Zealand, is a neo-apartheid vision. I mean, they're openly racist, and it's just astonishing that they get away with it. The, the double standards are amazing. I mean, we've just seen Mika Waitere, um leave Labour, join the Māori Party and say, I'm coming home as a Māori. Could you imagine if a New Zealand politician joined a different party, uh, and it was the white, the white People's Party or the Pākehā Party, and said, oh, you know, I didn't like being in a party with people of other races, now I feel I can be a proper white person. I mean, it's just, you know, unthinkable and uh, rightly everyone would go nuts, but that's effectively what Mecca Fighter has just done with the Maori party and they all think it's fantastic. The media say nothing and that's an example. There's nobody in the current press gallery that goes up to them and says, are you racial supremacist? What do you mean by being home as a Maori? What's wrong with being in an organization that has multiple ethnicities? Um, no one in the New Zealand press gallery is asking that. Well, question. that was the that's kind of the point,
0: point I was making at the start when I was talking about the media. That's the effect mm. you get. And if you don't have a parliamentary
1: press gallery journalist asking those questions, what's the point of having them? Well, it's a, it's a good question, but, you know, my and my response was if you think that government know. should tell them what questions to ask, then, that, then that's not going to help either. But in any event, you can't... Well, maybe someone should say, advice. hey,
0: are you going to ask me this question? Come on, I'm inviting, <laughs> I'm inviting you.
1: Well, the problem is if they're not inclined to ask it, then they're not going to write it up. So, you know, in theory yep. you could say that. But um look, I think um and by the way, I have done that a few times, but it has to be something that they're inclined to run. And we've we've taken stories to them. For example, the story about um when the Maori Party said on their website that, you know, the Maori race is genetically superior. Um, and uh, the journalists wouldn't touch it. So there you go. Okay. Anyhow, they didn't, they didn't um,
0: fact check it. <laughs> Do some fact well,
1: checking. Didn't need to fact check it. it was on their, They put it on their website, it was on the internet. But um, you, you know, we know that that's what they thought they published it. But in any event, um, you can't work with the Greens. Um, you know, the Green Party, uh, like I said, I don't even know what they are on about. Um, but this whole fight with Elizabeth Kerry Kerry, um, is about something that we can't comprehend, and they say it was about bullying, but their idea of bullying was, you know, called, being called a crybaby. Which even the victim of this bullying, um, you know, said, "Well, they, they didn't really care." So uh, can't work with them, and their climate policies are, are insane, uh, trying to kill the New Zealand economy, but not actually interested in adapting to changing weather patterns that that do have an effect on New Zealanders' livelihoods. Uh, So you can't work with them. Labour, you know, there's been periods where, you know, Roger Douglas, one of ex-founders, and a lot of good people, Richard Preble, for example, um, were members of Labour, and Labour has been, uh, you know, the best team, um, but not for the last 30 years. Um, So, you you know, unfortunately, Labour just never been worse. Um, And then you've got the National Party, um, you know, the, the best we got. So we, we need them as a, as a partner. Um, but the bigger actors relative to national, the more sway we get to make the change real. So that leaves us with national.
0: What if New Zealand first had to be in the equation to form a government of, you know, the other side? Would you work with them? Would you do a deal there? Would you be prepared? To? No,
1: uh, no. I mean, first of all, they're not going to just for the simple reason. That they're not polling there. You can't trust them. No one will give any money because they got investigated by the Serious Fraud um, Office <laughs> last time they tried to run some scam with uh, all their money going into I the believe, though, that,
0: and, that, that, that nothing came of that.
1: Really? So uh, and then you might want to ask the question someday, why, if you were a political party raising money, uh, would you have a separate uh, trust With $750,000 in it, why wouldn't you just declare the donations openly and transparently like every other party? Who were the people that gave the money and why? And why did they do it that way? And when you say you believe nothing came of it, well, actually, uh, they got off on a technicality. And Parliament has subsequently changed the law uh, to remove that technicality so that no one can do it again. Um, so, you know, so if you, if, if you don't if, if you don't think that's a consequence, so so that's your first problem. You've got a group of people who don't play it straight. But what um, if they who, what if
0: they do get enough over the line? Okay, may not happen. But what if they do, and that's well, the it, only uh, way to put it together? Do you walk away, well, or what happens?
1: Well, what what happens is that New Zealand will just mark time and basically be, uh, you know, a circus trying to deal with the, the ego of a, a very strange little man who. You know, has has fallen out with just about everyone he's ever tried to work with, or everyone who's ever tried to work with him. So, you know, it it will just be chaos. And I suspect what will happen uh, is that you know they'll go with Labor again, and everyone will say, "I thought you wouldn't do that," and they will say, "More we'll fool you." So, you know, there's there's just no good outcome there. But you know, it's interesting that you're not more interested in the question, and you're always trying to defend them. Um, in spite of these crazy donation sagas, I mean, who were the people that gave the money? Why? Why? Did I'm not defending. All
0: I'm saying is I understood but, that it didn't, it, it didn't break the law, and and it there, didn't there get to go. that. There
1: you, there you go again. So, uh, you know, and I I think I think more needs to be made of it.
0: Okay, well, fine. And here's an opportunity, and you've just you've just yeah. done that. Um, You're getting uh, very st- defensive. Not at all. Strange little man's a bit harsh, though.
1: Well, how else do you describe him? I mean, you know, it's a guy who falls out with everyone he works with He okay, well, years in politics. It could, it could be um, seen as
0: strange, I suppose. Yeah. All
1: right. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. I mean, he's got his defenders, I can see.
0: Well, no, I'm not defending, but I'm thinking it is a possible scenario where uh, there mm-hmm. would have to be considered as a configuration if you yeah. want to get rid of this government. So I just wonder what you'd do in that yeah.
1: situation. And I'm I'm just explaining, you you know, you can't trust them. Uh, They put this government in power for their own selfish reasons. Uh, They're now trying to sell themselves as the solution to the problem they created. And if you believe that, you believe anything. And if people are crazy enough to to put them back into parliament, or if enough people are, um, then you'll just see chaos because, uh, you know, it's a strange little man that you can't trust, highly (laughs) selfish, may go with Labour and... um, you know, we try and work with anyone, but you can't. I mean, Jim Bolger couldn't, uh, Helen Clark couldn't, um, you know, nobody could. Uh, and um, ultimately, Labor couldn't this time either. Uh, it's just that he went out of Parliament instead of them. So, you know, that's, um, All right. that's I, I think you, that's what clear. you're dealing with.
0: It's pretty clear. Mm. All right. Now, to sort of wind up this, this chat, um, I dial up your website and in bold letters, Freedom is right next to the Act name. Okay, fair enough. Now, um, as I have it here, you spoke up when the COVID Response Act was being passed. That's correct, wasn't it? In fact, I think you opposed that bill, didn't you?
1: I think we did. Um, And again, you know, Labor, the Greens, New Zealand first, they they voted for it and and made everything that came afterwards legally possible. Hmm.
0: Okay, three years on and it's still in place. So what do you do about that if you... Get well, you leads. don't
1: actually—you don't actually have to do anything because it—it has a self-destruct button, unless the government frequently comes back to Parliament and 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 reaffirms it. Um, so every time they do that, and it's about every ninety days, we get up and say we oppose this, and it should be allowed to expire, and it's time to move on. Which was the title of our paper in February twenty twenty two, I think. Um, but unfortunately. Um, you know, we have a Labour government that has the numbers in Parliament, although they are losing people just about every week. So, um, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, um, they keep voting it through. So what do we do? Well, we ask people to give their party vote to act. So we have the numbers next time. Um, and then that law expires.
0: A lot of uh, our audience, and I think about 30% of the country, supported that parliamentary protest. And I'm, I wonder if, if you did.
1: Well, I support the right to protest. I didn't support a lot of the behaviour. Um, what what so behaviour are you talking
0: about specifically? Because it seemed to be mostly hmm. you know, peaceful, and and depending on who you talk to. So what?
1: what well, I think, and I think that's the tragedy of it. That there were a lot of people who were there who felt they'd leaned into New Zealand society. They'd done their bit. they paid their taxes. Followed the rules. And they couldn't understand why the government was now basically using ostracism as a tool in a vaccine drive. So th- those people, and you're asking support it, then sure, uh, support them. But let's be honest, there were people swinging nooses at us. There were people circulating plans to kidnap us. There were people who were blockading the road, stopping small businesses. Is that why
0: you suffered. didn't? Is that why so, you said that? sorry. Decided- sorry.
1: Sorry, you asked the question.
0: Okay, well, I think I
1: know where it's going there. It's a list of all the threats that you received. I get that. uh, No, no, it's not actually. There was harassment of of schoolgirls walking to school. Um, There were businesses that had suffered from two years of COVID restrictions, and instead of being seen as allies and sympathisers, were blocked from doing business for another month. Now, you know, what I said to the people... Well, what's more important, though, David,
0: fighting for your fundamental rights or inconvenience, a little bit of inconvenience in the big
1: picture. Well, it's not just inconvenience. Uh, And second of all, the point I made when I met the protest leaders, I think on the 16th of February, it was you can make your point without doing that. You don't have to threaten. You don't have to harass. You don't have to stop businesses. In fact, you're letting everyone else down. All of those people I talked about a minute ago who were genuinely hurt backed into a corner and frankly bewildered and and injured by the fact that they were being you know ostracised in order to make a political point from the government. Um you know those people were let down too. So I made the point that if you stop the threats, stop the harassment, clean up the roads, then politicians will come out and talk. And when I said So you were
0: scared you were sitting in there scared is what you're telling me.
1: You're like No, I didn't say that at all. Well, no, but not you're talking all. about
0: the threats. It sounds like there was fear there. Okay, you you were fearful.
1: No, I, no, I I haven't said that the threats had any effect on me personally. But, but you signed a I bit
0: had, of paper that that you know the pledge, the commitment. The no, I never, no,
1: I never did. No, um, oh, you didn't. No, and and so so first of all, let's just I can see you you want to put words in my mouth, but no, let I don't. Me just address, not at all. Well, well, that's not true well, at all. You-
0: <laughs> I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. I just want to you know, understand what was happening because mm. this is a big question that people have. Mm. And, you know,
1: I well, don't you'll... get t-
0: the opportunity to talk to you every day to ask you, so I'm asking. Mm.
1: Mm. You'll get more understanding if you let me finish the sentence. Can we can we proceed on that basis?
0: Fire away. Mm.
1: So when I said, look, there should be a meeting with the protests, but but that these are the conditions. Um, I was attacked, Chris Luxon, Jacinda Ardern, they all said I was irresponsible. Uh, the next day, the Speaker put out a statement saying, we will meet um, if you meet the conditions. So within 24 hours, I got, from, I got the whole of Parliament from there will be no meeting ever to there will be a meeting if you meet these conditions. Uh, well, and just remind us
0: what the conditions were. That's a fair enough question. Remind yeah, us what so the, the, a, the
1: conditions were. So clear the, the streets, stop yeah. the threats, uh, and stop the harassment. And, and if those things had happened then I'm confident there would have been a meeting. But unfortunately, the people that I met uh, were not in a position uh, to control it. And so all those people that I you know, felt genuinely sorry for ultimately had the thing destroyed uh, by a smaller group of people who were breaking the rules. And Well, history, not a question history
0: of- will determine whether it's actually destroyed because it seems to have had some long-lasting effect. I'm not putting words in your mouth, but it, it, I think it's okay to say that.
1: Um, yeah, okay, but 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 if your if your question is, you know, did you get to meet MPs? Well, the reason that didn't happen is because you know the conditions that that, that I set out, and actually those leaders said, you no, know, okay, we're not going to meet them. But I said, look, if realistically, you know, if you're not prepared, did they say they, they goodness, wouldn't meet them or
0: could? well not? did they say they wouldn't meet them or couldn't meet them because it would be impossible? Yeah. To give mm. those assurances, I would imagine, with what was happening and the way it came together, it was quite mm. an organic thing. People from all over the place mm. It's very yeah, hard so to go, carve out a back, leadership in that sort of time
1: I'd I take you back to what they said at the time that you know they didn't want to meet them, didn't want to. Um, so you can find you know reporting and and verbatim quotes from that period. Uh, where they said those things. So no, look, I, I mean, I've been, I know, I've been portrayed, and someone's created some fake document that they've put on the line and they share it around. Um, but the reality is that you know, I absolutely stand by my role. I was trying to bring the parties together. I set out the conditions they could have come together, and I don't think it's unreasonable to say, you know, if you have a peaceful protest, we'll we'll talk to you. But if you do all these things, we won't. That's that's ultimately where it was the great tragedy for most people in that protest is that there were some people who were never going to meet the criteria and that's a real shame.
0: Yeah. Maybe a very small amount of people, but you know, we could argue that.
1: Yeah. Oh, I, I, I'm not saying it was any particular percentage. It may have been 1%. Um, yeah. But, but you uh, know, making one, a decision like that
0: on 1%, I mean, you're setting up unobtainable well, if, thresholds.
1: Well, No, sorry. If, 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 1% are harassing schoolgirls, that's 1% too many. Well, and I think I see you're fixating
0: on that. Okay. Um, no, I'm, I want, no,
1: I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not fixating. Well, you've mentioned uh, that three saying,
0: times. Three times. Well,
1: I've also mentioned blocking the buildings three times, uh, blocking the businesses three times. Should have been I've around for the Springbok the, tour the, protest, the, mate. And I've, <laughs> and I've also mentioned the threats three times. Yeah, so, well, the threats aren't know, good. Again,
0: no one approves of that, hmm. believe me. No way. Yeah,
1: so, so again, you know, 1% of people threatening to hang you or the noose, sorry, that's too many.
0: Okay, well, that's if you believe it could happen. Because people say well, all sorts of things, right? And there, there's plenty when, of security there when, and the police were around. And When you're like.
1: out there hanging nooses and when okay. you've got screenshots circulating of explicit plans to kidnap people from security agencies. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm sorry, mate, but you're going to have to accept that stuff happened. And, These are the security
0: um, agencies uh, urging people to dog people in. So that's, that's another story for another day. Um
1: Do you still? So, still well, sorry, which 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 security agency are you talking? Well, about? I
0: think uh, you know Kitteridge was out there saying, if you see your neighbour acting strange, you know, let us know.
1: Well, I'm not sure that I'm not sure that Rebecca Kitteridge said that, but in any event, you know, that doesn't mean that intelligence information from the New Zealand government. Well, it's a matter
0: available. of who trusts who. Do you still support the COVID vaccination program?
1: The program, um, yes, because it's continuing. Well, I don't. Well, I guess it is now. I mean, personally, I, I'm sort of a bit past uh, getting it. But, um, you know, I think you want to differentiate between the, the program of vaccination, which I support, uh, versus the laws and means that the Jacinda Adern government used to try and, and make people get. I it, want to know about the don't. jab.
0: You still hmm. support the jab, the actual physical jabbing?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, it's that's separate from if you're asking me about the policies surrounding it, that's a different issue.
0: Okay, I'm asking about the jab specifically now, because there seems to be a lot of information we've seen in the Pfizer docs most recently Mm. regarding pregnant women and babies, the effect there. Mm. And we have an all cause mortality rate that's going up. I've seen leaked figures from the Wellington DHB, which aren't pretty. Have you heard Mm. anything in relation to this that concerns you that makes you wonder whether we just scored an epigo well, endor.
1: I just I just start with a couple of basics. Um you know New Zealand's a country where 96% of over 12s were vaccinated and um you know excess deaths are still below where they were for the prior three years over no, the last not. three years. So uh, <laughs> we didn't well, actually read really a different over the last three years our world and data brought together by University of Oxford New Zealand still has negative excess deaths after three years. And there was a COVID pandemic, which did kill some people. So, um, you know, if the vaccine. So, you really don't think there's been any
0: downside to the vaccination program, even though I know people who have been adversely affected. Are you can tell me I don't all, know. Every,
1: every single medication has side effects. There's no question about that. Um, but I just point you to the fact that, you know, you've got. 96% vaccinated, and your excess deaths are still in negative territory after three years. Um, I, I think that's got to give you a pause for thought, doesn't
0: it? Okay. And um, uh, uh, just to finish up, some other concerns that uh, our listeners have, and that is about really New Zealand sovereignty. And uh, you're probably aware that the WHO are working on amendments of the international health regulations and talking about an international health pass. Um, Can you assure everyone at this point that there will be no impact on any sovereignty uh, and decision-making in health um, for New Zealand, even if other countries go for this?
1: Yeah, look, I'm very much on the side of parliamentary sovereignty. I think our parliament is a system that, while it has produced some pretty crazy results over the years, on balance gets things right and takes New Zealand to a better place century after century, so... Um, I'm not interested in giving up a system of parliamentary democracy They have decisions made by public servants, uh, be they within New Zealand, and I think that's one issue about the COVID period is that we gave far too much celebrity to certain public servants, but that's another story, um, or or international organisations, but I have to say, you know, (laughs) I I laugh when people say that the World Economic Forum or the UN are directing the government. Um, Most of these organisations are so disorganised, they can't direct themselves. Um, But regardless of the truth of that, they they certainly don't direct. Well, how do you explain
0: all the Five Eyes countries acting in kind of lockstep during the last three years? Very similar messaging, very similar policies, lockdowns, all that. Specifically, it seemed relating to this bunch of countries, if the if everyone's so disorganized.
1: Well, I think I think there is a question about why not just five eyes countries, but actually a range of countries with really different cultures and really different systems of government, all made, you know, in my view, pretty crazy choices where they chose to close borders and lock down fundamentally in a panic, people are prepared to, to give up a lot more and pay much higher costs um, to deal with the threat of COVID than they ever would be for the threat of earthquakes or the threat of you know, some other disease or the flu season or you know, just about your car crashes. I mean, you name it. Um, f- for those things, we all have to say, look, sometimes we just can't afford to stop every car crash. We can't afford every pharmaceutical. We can't afford this or that when it came to COVID money was no object and freedom was no object and, and the world just lost its collective mind. Um, now, you know, there's two ways you can think about that. One is, well, maybe there's, you know, some secret agency somewhere controlling the world. Um, you, you know, a, a great plot for a James Bond film. I, I don't think it's a good story for how the world actually works. Um, the better answers I think um, are in the likes of a book nudged into lockdown by Ananis uh, Chowdhury. Uh, he's a economist and behavioral interviewed him. economics.
0: Had, I chatted yeah. with him for an hour. He told me all about that book. Yeah, I know about
1: it. Yeah, it's a very and and I think you know smart people will will start to ask themselves what does this period of you know really crazy behavior on a global scale tell us about human behavior and human dynamics and and so on? Um, why did we put such a big price on um, you, you know? problem on 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 saving a life from covid that we would never put on on saving a life from anything else I, it's a, it's a story worth getting into but i don't think the idea that the world economic forum or the who or the un is somehow magically pulling the strings um i don't find that plausible mainly because i've spent enough time in government to know that People can't even organise things they say they're going to do most of the time, let alone things they're trying to keep secret on a global scale.
0: Yeah, but you probably never thought people in government would have abused our rights like they did.
1: No, I'm not surprised at all. Um, really? Okay. You know, no. I, I mean, I mean you've got to realise, you know, and this is the thing, right? Like, I got in trouble for this because people were saying, oh, I said, look, there's no conspiracy. just Jacinda's too dumb to orchestrate a conspiracy. And people said, oh, how can you call that dumb? And you're a thought, oh, I think you're right. Anyway. Putting that aside, um, you, you know this um, th- this idea that you know it would be unusual that Jacinda um, would get all uh, uh, obsessed with the vaccine and lose sight of other values um, is, is crazy. I mean, and we said at the time, look, December 1, 2021, should have been Freedom Day. After that, you've had your chance. If you don't get vaccinated, your problem. Um, you know, businesses. Schools, council should have been able to decide what their own vaccine policy was based on their needs and their customers and so on. And if they were going to have a requirement, should have been vax or test. Uh, And if doctors wanted to give an exemption, that should be their professional right. Now, you know, if they'd done those things, then there would never have been a protest. Then it would have been the division or distrust that we have now. And actors on the record saying all those things at the time in October and November 2021. So, you know, I'm uh, uh, not surprised that Jacinda went the way that she did. Uh, She basically tried to her colleagues too, right? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. they all yeah, fair enough. Well, Chris Hipkins was was along for the ride. Chris Hipkins is now going to get an Oscar for his starring role in a film called "The Man Who Wasn't There," but he was there the whole time, Um, and. um, I think I think you know one thing. I'm proud of is that I, I think actors has been vindicated in the positions we took. And if it was to happen again, um, then I think there would be more airtime for what we were saying. Whereas you know a lot of people don't even know we took those positions at the time because it was pretty hard to get reported saying them.
0: Well, the media definitely had a was following on the narrative, but they were being funded, weren't they? I mean, they were making money. They were making hay while the sun was shining. So no surprise. Um,
1: well, again, I, I mean, from what I know from journals, they were getting huge amounts of abusive emails every time they strayed from the, the crisis narrative. And there were very few journos that were brave enough to do it. And again, I, I think it's easy to say, well, it's because they're being paid off or it's because of this. Well, the advertising that.
0: revenue at the time, I, I, was I know a for a problem. fact. The advertising revenue at the time, I knew people who were voicing Covid commercials three times a day updating them. I mean, it was a mm. it was a lolly scramble in that respect. That was more what I was meant. But I take your
1: point. Oh, y- yeah. Right. Well, you're 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 right about the the amount of money that they spent on COVID advertising it was just insane, and it was a well, you wouldn't to want to risk that
0: if you're making media. that money. You don't want to get offside with the with the client, right?
1: I think to be really honest, if they put you in that position, there'd be a great opportunity to make up market share. And you look at Mike Hosking, I mean, he got up to thirty-five percent of the Auckland audience. I mean, that guy, I mean, in a glo- at a global scale, that's amazing globally. Yeah. Yeah. Um so you know, Mike Hosking's a really good example of of what you can achieve by being prepared to break ranks. And that that is the market in action, I guess, but there's not enough of it. So that's why I wish you guys all the best.
0: Well, thank you. And that's uh, I agree with you. Free markets allow competitors and winners and losers. And if you're good and, and people like you, you'll do well. If not, goodbye. And fair enough. Just um, on business, last question, because I, I have seen some um, postings of yours basically endorsing um, a businesses to maintain a, a sort of a, a localized kind of outsourced VAX mandate. Do you still go along with that? Do you still support that? Because it seems yeah, well, now that's... the whole thing is everyone's had it um it doesn't stop transmission doesn't do anything it really is meaningless why would you carry on with that
1: well i certainly don't think any business would want to have one today um because you know first of all the vaccines so far out of date for current variants. variations can have no effect at all second of all probably because it was effective against the very early variants the later ones you would expect to have evolved to to get around the vaccine that's the only way they could survive and infect more people so, you know, it would be crazy to support any kind of um, mandate today. Um, and we've been saying since at least last June when Brooke Van Velden wrote to the Minister of Health saying, get rid of these remaining mandates. It, it hasn't made sense for, you know, over a year now um, to do this. So, I uh, certainly don't support that. Um, I think what you're referring to, as I made the point at the time, and I've made the point many times, um, you think about a, um, uh, you, th- you think about a business, say a hairdresser. Uh, they've got five staff. Their customers are going to their competitor, which advertises we're all vaxed. Um, this is late 2021, by the way. And you've got one staff member who says that um, you know I'm not going to get vaccinated. You've got two who say we won't come in unless we're a vaccinated environment. That's the that's the practical reality, you Now you can say they're wrong that, but that's the practical reality that business owners face. Um and so we said a business should be able to set its own policy, including VAX or test, rather than have the whole country blanket mandated, which was what Jacinda did and it was totally wrong.
0: Okay. Last question because it is on the uh, on the sort of the radar. If there is a Royal Commission, how wide should the terms of reference be? Can, should they be as wide as they as you can think, taking it all in? Well, there is a Royal Commission. No, I know, but people are worried that um, the terms of reference are restricted, constricted, that Mm. some of the things that should be looked at won't be looked at because they're not in the terms of reference. Mm. Are you for widening those and being like, you know, full disclosure?
1: Uh, Absolutely, yeah. Look, I mean, the the Royal Commission that we have in place now, um, the gist of it is that, um, you know, people need to... um, Uh, Sorry, the the gist of it is that it's just evaluating the effectiveness of the government's policies at reducing COVID-19. Now, you could have policies very effective at reducing COVID-19, but what about all the other impacts that it had? Um, And because the terms of reference don't consider all the other impacts on social cohesion and mental health and government finances and everything else you might consider... Um, we don't think that's wide enough. It should be wide. The other thing I'd notice they've got a guy called Tony Blakely from Melbourne, who's a pro-lockdown epidemiologist running it. Well, that's the fox guarding the hen house. Um, they've also got Hekia Parata, who must be one of New Zealand's worst um, ever education ministers, um, responsible for modern learning environments, among other things. So. Um you, you know th- this is a terrible royal commission and luckily it doesn't report back till after the government so it may need to be repurposed after the election that's for sure
0: david seymour i thank you for coming on and having a chat with me on reality check radio i really appreciate it and um, i certainly wasn't trying to have a go or catch you out or anything like that so i think you've had a um, uh, plenty of time to you know, espouse what you think, where you see things are at, all that sort of stuff. So thanks again. And it'll be really interesting to see how you do. Another what, three or four percent on there and and you're in.
1: Well, we're we're um we're in now. We just need to make sure that we have more votes than every other party, and then um along with the nets, and then um you'll get not just a government of change and real change and I know there's people who say look I I want to vote Act but I don't want to take a vote off National. I say look don't worry they're not doing much with it Um, and what's more as long as you keep your vote between Act and National then you're making sure that you can get a a really functional change of government with enough Act in there to make sure that it's also a government of change and that's got to be our goal.
0: We'll be watching with interest. Thank you. Thank you. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.